Good evening, and welcome to the November 2018 edition of Outbeat News in Depth. I'm Greg Moralia. Well, I hope you had an enjoyable Thanksgiving holiday weekend, and I hope that the hustle and bustle of this holiday season hasn't got you too stressed out. But if it has, I have a great distraction for you tonight. We have two really fun and interesting local guests who actually have quite a bit in common. Now, you know our first guest, Bobby Joe Valentine. He's a local singer-songwriter who started out playing gigs right here in the North Bay, but now he's traveling all over the country sharing his music. And in the second half of our hour, we'll introduce you to Brandon Sokolowski. I met him when he was just 19 and just starting to come out. Now he's a dancer and clothing designer and making a living designing his own wares. He's a completely different person. Both guys are examples of how much power can come from simply being able to live your authentic self. So stay with us. It's all coming up next, right after your Outbeat Radio News for this Sunday, November 25th, 2018. I love to change the world. Greg Moralia with your Outbeat Radio News for the week of November 25th, 2018. Last week, we told you about a government roundup of LGBT people in Tanzania. And this week, Liberia, another African country, is considering a new law that would make it a criminal offense for gay couples to get married in another country. If they do return home, they could be sent to prison for life. The Committee on Judiciary and Gender is currently reviewing the law that would make same-sex sexual practices illegal as well. The reform to the penal code would make both felony offenses and would automatically deny anyone arrested bail and punish them with prison sentences from 10 years to life. The bill's sponsor says it's necessary to, quote, preserve the African culture, end quote. American evangelicals have spent millions of dollars to promote anti-LGBTQ laws across Africa. Several of them have included life in prison or the death penalty for an offense of being gay. And here in the U.S., you've no doubt heard that the Trump administration has been renegotiating the Clinton-era NAFTA agreement with Mexico and Canada. After months of negotiation, the countries have arrived at a new agreement. The U.S.-Mexico-Canadian agreement, known as the USMCA, isn't that different from the old one, except in one key respect. It includes non-discrimination protections based on sexual orientation and gender identity. And that's enough for a group of ultra-conservative Republicans to rise up in arms. They sent a letter to President Trump, including signatures from 40 representatives, strongly urging the president to remove the offending language. The Republicans wrote, quote, A trade agreement is no place for the adoption of social policy. It is especially inappropriate and insulting to our sovereignty to needlessly submit to social policies which the United States Congress so far has explicitly refused to accept, end quote. The letter also notes accurately that the kind of words about LGBT rights in the agreement fly in the face of the administration's policies, or as the letter puts it, a cohesive agenda regarding policies surrounding sexual orientation and gender identity. The language in the trade agreement is thanks to Canadian government Prime Minister Justin Trudeau. Apparently, he insisted on the protections in exchange for his government's willingness to renegotiate the original agreement. And finally, last week, Chad Griffin announced that he will step down in 2019 as the president of the Human Rights Campaign after seven years on the job. Griffin led the organization through multiple wins for LGBTQ rights. Before joining the HRC, Griffin was a prolific political fundraiser with ties to the Clinton administration. He co-founded the American Foundation for Equal Rights, 
That's the group that fought for the overturn of California's Proposition 8, a case that was a precursor to the Supreme Court case for the right to marry nationwide. Griffin hasn't announced his plans after he leaves, but with his political experience, it's assumed that he will step back into the ring working with a Democratic candidate for president. For a calendar of LGBT events happening here in the North Bay, go to GaySonoma.com. For Outbeat Radio News, I'm Greg Moralia. But I don't know what to do. If you pay attention at all to the local music scene, then you know the name Bobby Joe Valentine. He's an out singer-songwriter whose soulful music tells the story of his life, revealing many of the challenges, revelations, and celebrations he's experienced. Bobby Joe's been traveling around the country for years now, performing at all kinds of events, pride celebrations in churches, and most recently, at a naturist event, a first for him. He's here tonight to share that experience and to catch us up on all the things going on in his life. Well, welcome back to the show. Thank you so much for having me. It's great to have you again, and uh, it's been almost a year, I think, since we last talked. The fires had just happened. Yeah. Uh, so let's, you know, let's go back and start there as you reflect back on how the fires impacted you. The fire was a new chapter for me. It was like a really hard and difficult um, chance to begin again. Um, and so, you know, I've, I've always thought, um, I've always had like a really stubbornly hopeful heart uh, <laughs> with my my whole life. And so you know, um, at 23, I had to start over again with this music thing coming out from this conservative world. And so this isn't the first time I've had to start over with, with, with pretty much nothing. And when I got the news, I, um, had, I, I was in Kansas City when I got the news about the fire last year. And I'd, uh, I'd parked my car at the airport to fly into Kansas City. And then I had my guitar with me. And, and that's kind of it. And, um, you know, when I heard about the fire, of course, there was a piece of me that was like heartbroken and uh, n- knew I was starting a really difficult journey. Um, but there was another piece of me uh, in the back of my mind. This just like is a look into my mind um, that was like, well, this isn't the first time you've had to start over with just you and a guitar. And now you have a car. <laughs> and so, so I always tend to be... Uh, as soon as something happens like this, my a piece of my mind tries to see how to turn it into uh, positive, and I'm really lucky to to have that piece of my mind that thinks that way. So you were living in Napa at the time, right? Yes. And the house was leveled, as I remember. Yeah, it was it was totally um, totally wasted, and I remember thinking like uh, when my ex-partner was up there and cleaning up and I hadn't been up there in a couple weeks. Uh, I, and I hadn't been up to see the house. He, he told me, you know, there's nothing up there. There's, it's just kind of a, a total, just ash. And, uh, I didn't really believe it. And I was like, Oh, well, I'm sure if I get down there and, and rummage through, you know, the rubble, I'll be able to find some of my things and stuff like that. And, uh, I remember getting there and just, just, uh, I, everything being gray and everything being collapsed in on itself. And, um, you know, all the things I had were, um, music things that were, you know, <laughs> plastic and electronics and, um, all of that stuff. And I remember walking through and it didn't take me five minutes to realize, Oh, there's, there's, there's absolutely nothing here right. of what I had before. And, um, and just, <laughs> being kind of in shock about that, about the power of fire. 
Right, right. Well, I mean, it was a it was a devastating experience for thousands and thousands of people. Yeah. Uh, ben, I read a post recently about you found a guitar, a special guitar that someone had given to you. Yeah. So, so what actually happened was was this. Um, after the fire, um, we started getting uh, help and love and gifts from all sorts of friends and uh, and people that love my music around the country. And uh, in the chaos of it, I, I hadn't had time to sort through some of the things that we'd received. Uh, and one of them was uh, an acoustic guitar. Someone sent me an acoustic guitar. Um, and I, I, in the chaos, and because I tour with, you know, guitars that plug in electronically, I hadn't looked at it. Um, I hadn't really had a chance to look closely at it until just recently when I was kind of um, going through some of my things. And so I opened the case to the guitar, uh, and it is the exact same model of the very first guitar that my parents bought me when oh, I was wow. just starting out as an, as an artist at 17. How cool is <laughs> so, that? Yeah, it was amazing, and so it was, and that was one of the sentimental things that had been lost in the fire that I felt like I wasn't going to be able to get back, and something about the serendipity of opening that case and seeing that guitar, it, it like breathed a little magic into the guitar, you know. And right. how have how's that fire experience been reflected in your music recently? My music is all about my my personal experiences and. Um, and I, I write a lot of music um, that is direct with what I'm going through. And so, uh, after the fire, I actually um, became single for the very first time. I, I'd say pretty much for the first time in my adult's out gay life. And um, so, with that relationship change and the fire happening at, at the exact same time, um, a lot of songs came out about just about transition and about letting go of things and about. Um, about I, I've been wandering for a while around the country with my music and about, you know, how maybe this fire was almost an invitation for me to to calm down a little bit and to kind of rest in 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 this new chapter and not be not be so restless. Mm. So so my songs kind of have pieces of, of all of that uh, wound in in them, the new songs I've been writing. Well, and you didn't pause at all after the fire. I remember seeing a concert, uh, a recovery concert of sorts about the fire. You were performing right afterwards. Yeah, you know, I, it was so important to me, actually, to um, to be able to say to myself, I still have this. Like, if I have nothing else, I have these songs. And the songs have meaning for me and and for the people I'm able to perform them for um it's it I still have this meaningful thing I can do mm-hmm. yeah yeah so where's home base now for you so yeah I'm um I am in Los Altos uh California which uh, for any of your listeners is near San Jose um and it's a lovely it's a lovely spot and I'm actually an artist in residence um at a really wonderful community out here and uh, so I, that includes housing for a year and space to write songs, and it's, um, it's a really cool place. Awesome. And you've been doing yeah. a tremendous amount of traveling. I mean, I see that happening. You've been keeping plenty busy. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. Um, but one of, the, one of the concerts that really caught my attention that was probably unusual for most performers was doing a concert at a naturist camp. 
How in the world did that come about? Yeah. Oh, man. Well, it was something I'd wanted to do for a while. And um, a naturist is, uh, is a nudist, and, but it's someone that kind of applies that idea of being a nudist to um, almost like in a spiritual sense, like, like being naked is uh, the way the nature intended and it's tapping into that. Uh, and so I, I was always kind of intrigued about it and I'd never, um, gone to any of these events, but I'd seen them around and I saw this, um, you know, Trey Crowder, the, um, I think he's called like the liberal redneck. He's a comedian. Okay. Uh, he's a really great, uh, funny guy who brings a really fun perspective of, uh, like living in the country, but <laughs> to mm-hmm. different new experiences. And he had a YouTube video where him and a bunch of guys, and they're all straight, uh, went to this gay naturist's camp called Gay Naturist International. And it was a really, of course, a funny video of them being like, here's a bunch of naked guys, and, you know, we're, <laughs> we're straight guys with jeans and, and T-shirts, and, you know, this is not normal. <laughs> right. So it was a fish out of water comedy video, but it was also, there was a really sweet moment in the video where there was someone that was attending the naturist camp, a guy, and he was talking about how um, being nude in this setting uh, was the first time he really felt accepted for who he was, 100%. And in the midst of all the chaos of his world at home, he could come here and feel like he belonged and was loved. And it was really sweet, and he like he teared up in the video, and I teared up in the video. And I remember watching that and being like, I think these are my people. Like, I think... Uh, I think my music would really connect with these people. So I actually reached out to them and I said, I have no idea if this would be your thing, but I write songs. A lot of them are about authenticity and about honesty. Um, And so I'd love to maybe perform a show um, at this nudist camp. And they got back to me almost right away, said, yes, yes, come. And they booked me to to come and perform. So I, I performed and I performed in the nude first time ever. Uh, and it was so surreal, uh, super nerve wracking. I, I don't know if I would do it again unless everyone else was naked too. <laughs> okay. So I want to, let's break this down a little bit. First, yeah. <laughs> first of all, where in the country did this take place? So this was in the Poconos in, uh, in Pennsylvania, um, kind of out in the beautiful, in the beautiful mountains of Pennsylvania. And is it, a, was it a gay event? Or is it a mixed crowd? Yes, this, this this particular one was a gay event. Okay, so you you felt some connection in terms of being with our own community. Yes, absolutely. Um, I mean, just walk us through that experience. You had to have been super nervous walking in the first day. <laughs> oh, oh, a hundred percent. Yeah, I, I, you know, um, this this is brand new to me outside of maybe one or two experiences, uh, of going to like a beach, you know, um, I I have not, I have not been, uh, been naked outside of, uh, you know, when I go to bed and take a shower (laughs) and not only that, but, you know, growing up in the Baptist world that I did, um, you know, I was put in starch shirts and suits, um, as young as I can remember, um, and told that this was the way you were supposed to be out in the world. And so I had all sorts of kind of shame-based um, issues around that and just worries around that. And um, But, you know, I would say that after the first – because I stayed there for the week. Uh, after performing, I stayed there for the week. And 
after the first day, I mean, I even I would even say after the first hour, um, that worry and self consciousness it really does kind of fall away, and what you're left with is just um, this kinder, more honest version of everybody that's mm. walking around, and uh, people are they're just they're much friendlier, they're much more um, laid back, confident in themselves. And I'll say as a, as a newbie for anyone that was, that's thinking of trying this, um, you immediately, the people that are sure of themselves and comfortable in their skin, they go out of their way to make you feel comfortable and to, you know, um, you know, at the, the lunches are served cafeteria style to invite you and to eat with them and to hang out and have conversation. And you, you feel at home pretty quickly, which was a wonderful experience. Wow. And so you performed pretty early on in the week. I did. I performed on Monday, and then I had the week to just be there. So you got there on Sunday? I got there Sunday, yep. I played a Pride Festival in Pennsylvania, and then I went and played the Nature's Festival on, uh, on Monday. So, so got there Sunday night. So in your first 24 hours in this new experience, you got up on stage in front of everybody there and performed nude. And I, I wasn't – I was still torn about doing it, like – 30 minutes before the show. <laughs> so I struggled with it the whole day of whether or not I was going to do it. Um, but to me, it was like, it, it felt like a thing to do that was joining, that was joining them in what they were doing. You know what I mean? Right. Like a, a little bit of solidarity. And it felt like if I, it was totally optional. They didn't force it on me, but it felt like with the nature of my music, especially that if I, if I did, if I was the only one up there clothed, then there would be a wall um, mm-hmm. between me and the people that I, I didn't know if I even wanted there. And so um, kind of 30 minutes before the show, while everyone's gathering uh, in, the, in front, I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. I'm just going to go and get up and perform. And of course, I was so nervous. <laughs> um, and, you know, I'm sure the first three songs I was, you know, just a... My voice was quivering and all sorts of things, but but somewhere around the fourth song, just talking with the guys and um, just uh, talking about what it must mean for them to be here, to come here every year and feel like a family, um, I, I felt like one of them. And it, we had a really great experience together for the 90 minutes that was the concert. 90 minutes. Wow. You certainly jumped right into it. <laughs> yeah. and, and you were you were up there solo performing your band that sometimes plays with you is not there right no they weren't they weren't there that would have been funny if they <laughs> next and, year right next year you invite them <laughs> that might be a big ask for a band to be like <laughs> hey guys we're playing this festival in pennsylvania and <laughs> well you can you can you can pack light you can you just tell right? Yeah. right uh oh, that's so- so how how was it received? I mean, I imagine people were just ecstatic. It was, yeah, it was received really well. Um, I actually, I had four more concerts left, and um, I brought, you know, um, 100 and, I don't know, like 175 CDs, and I sold all but five of them um, after the show. So it was just people were super supportive and that's what to me that was really meaningful because i mean they could have you know enjoyed the night and not wanted to support the art right you know what i mean but to me there was like a beautiful 
thing there where they where they actually came and they were like the songs that you sang really uh connected and and we want to support that so it was it was amazing awesome yeah you blogged a little bit about it actually pretty extensively about your experience tell us what you learned about yourself through that experience yeah so you know i what i learned about myself is um that I have my own body issues to work through, and this was this was like chapter one in the journey of getting comfortable with who I am, and um, and it, it, that was that was kind of new and, and awakening to me. I, I feel like um, sometimes if you're in the public sphere and you're like an active artist who who uh, because of your work, there's a lot of photos of you online and things like that. You're there's a piece of it where it's like you're you're almost not supposed to have body issues, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and when you post about it, I mean, I got a lot of posts from people that were like, um, oh, I can't believe you have body issues, for example. Or I literally, on my second post about it, I had someone message me that was like, oh, I just realized from your post that you must have body dysmorphia. What? So it was like, yeah, yeah. So they, they basically what they said was, oh, you know, you you can't have body issues because you look the way you do. So the only explanation for you posting about this stuff and saying you have body issues is you literally have like a mental, uh, issue. And, um, so that was an awakening to me that like, um, you know, if you're a certain body type, you're like not supposed to have body issues. Uh, but the truth is, all of us struggle with that, and so that was a, that was a thing for me that I realized that. And I, the other thing I realized, with the amount of interaction that happened on those blogs, is that you know, this is something a lot of people are thinking about, and nobody is talking about. Not right. not in a. They walk around it, and there's a way that you can talk about it that's very politically correct, you know. Um, but they don't get knee deep into it and really talk about the what it means to. Uh, to shed those body issues and be really comfortable in your skin. And obviously this is an extreme way to do it. Not everyone has to go and be naked at a camp to get over their body issues. But for me, it was a really meaningful uh, thing to do. And I think I'd do it again. Um, That's going to be my we'll next probably, question. Would you go back and do it again? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I think I would. Uh, I don't know if I'll go back next year, but uh, you know, in the years coming, I love, I love what it does. I love that it's, it's like a layer of, it's like a mask that comes off, you know, mm-hmm. um, being with people of uh, that people that are gay um, that don't have to put that front. And also it's like you, you would think that, you know, a lot of us dress as to who we are. You know, for a banker, we dress this way. If we're conservative uh, in thinking, we dress this way, etc. cetera. Um, and so there's that initial mask of of what you've what you think you've built for yourself and your career and things like that, that you kind of talk about with how you dress. And the great thing about shedding that is that, you know, you still have who you are is more revealed, not less because, because that's out of the way. And so it, it, I love that, um, that kind of rapport you can have with somebody immediately, uh, in, in that kind of a setting. So yeah, I think I would do it again. It's, it's like an additional layer of coming out for a gay man, isn't it? Yes. Yeah, very much so. Interesting. And not only, you mentioned some of the negative comments that you got, but you talked about one person in particular who was really 
offended, I guess, about a shirtless picture? Yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah, silly. Yeah, you know, I think so. Uh, I am, I'm kind of, um, I empathize. <laughs> Let's see, how would I put this? Um, there's a piece of me that empathizes with, with this particular person was from a, you know, they're from a different generation of people. Um, and they're someone that's much older and someone that's from in an environment where that stuff is just, it's like a third level of wild, you know, (laughs) for them. So I don't think the, the, they're fussing about it. Um, when I heard about them kind of, um, talking to somebody about it and I, I heard, I heard from it from somebody they talked to about it. Um, I think what it was, was the posting about me being, being naked, you know what I mean? And not just the picture. It was, it was the fact that, you know, in this picture, it implied that there was nothing else. <laughs> there was nothing I was wearing below the, the, the chest picture. So I empathize with that. And also I, I think that leaning into that kind of feedback is important. It's like, you know, to me, um, when you dig deeper in that feedback, uh, and you talk to this person about it. I, I never got the chance to talk to this person. They never ended up talking to me. But uh, I, I think if you go deeper into it, what what you'd find on the other side is a lot of a lot of body issues that need to be addressed, and a lot of fear based. Like, let's. I don't know. A lot of people walk through life and think to themselves, "Let's live less of a life because we're afraid mm-hmm. of." of potential consequences of what people might think of what people might say. And in your worst self, what you can do is live less of a life because of that, but then walk around and start telling other people that they should live less of a life based on your own fear. Right. And that's the sad, that was to me the saddest part of the feedback was it was someone that was afraid of what my post might, uh, you know, what what someone might think of my post, or I don't know what it, if someone's a kid and sees the post, what they might think, and so then they kind of used that to talk to someone else about me um, that they thought would have some influence on me and would censor what I did, and to me that's uh, that's our shadows at play, right? It's just it's just not that person's best self at work, and so I, I wish someone like that. Um, if they have that temptation to go gossip to somebody about it, you know, come talk to me. Let's have a conversation and let's uh, let's see what we can learn together about what you're feeling and right. see if there's a way forward that's um, productive. Uh, so that's well, I, I don't that's, think they're spending much time on social media because there were none of the pictures I saw that were half as, even a fraction as revealing or uh, provocative as a lot of pictures that people post on social media. So whoever this is may not have a whole lot of exposure to social media. hundred percent, hundred percent. And, and if you're thinking of the other thing I'd say, you know, is if you're thinking of like, if they were worried about like young people seeing this, you know, like teenagers or kids or it's, it's, um, what I would say is exactly what you said. Yeah. Like they've seen a lot worse from people that don't have, their best interest at heart. You know what I mean? Like for someone like me to post about that, uh, my whole blog, as you talked about was, is about accepting, accepting who you are and about, uh, not being ashamed and about trying to remove shame and guilt from the equation when you think about your body. Cause when you have that shame and guilt, what happens is you try to cover it up and that tendency to cover it up can lead to a lot of destructive decisions. 
And this fear of not being accepted can lead to you running for that acceptance and trying to find it in all the wrong places, right? right? So if you get to the point that you can talk about that stuff in a public sphere, that can lead to more uh, like that that can me- lead to better and healthier ways to express to to express that um you, you being proud of your body. And so anyway, yeah, I I just shake it off, you know, move forward in my life and it's it's all good. I wish them well. Yeah, uh, and maybe they'll get busy finding something else to do. <laughs> I I, yeah. was, I was really surprised when I when I read that and I thought, are you kidding me? <laughs> wow. Yeah. Wow. Uh, so let's talk about your latest album. Uh, what will yeah. fans hear in terms of themes and reflections on your life in it? So my latest album is called uh, uh, Maybe Stars, and um, that released. And it's really, I wrote a lot of those songs um, before some really deep and heavy transitions in my life. Uh, and so <laughs> I, I think that there's a lot of songs about about safety about wanting to stay the same in the name of um fear and about moving forward moving forward through life instead about leaning into the changes that life calls us to make and i I found it you know um that people have really connected to those more meaningful themes it's definitely a listener's album so when they find it on spotify or itunes this is one that you like take a drive with. You really listen to the words, you know, get a glass of wine or whatever. And, and just, uh, hopefully the lyrics sink in and, and you find some, some goodness there. Um, I am in the middle of working on a, a brand new, uh, collection. Um, it hasn't quite taken shape yet, but there's certainly a lot of songs that speak to my, you know, my current journey and finding, finding new life, um, as a, as a single guy, finding new life as an artist, um, starting over again. And um, I, I think a lot of people will probably connect with those themes in this world of transition that we find ourselves in right now. <laughs> yeah, and rawness, right? Yeah, there's definitely a lot of – I think this song, this album especially will be – I'm hoping that it will be stripped down to mainly just me and telling the stories with my guitar, ukulele, and piano – and um, really focused on, yeah, the, the story that's being told and not, you know, not a big, massive production <laughs> with right. a lot of, yeah, a lot of um, radio, radio style songs. This, this one will be a little more of a confessional, and I, I'm excited to, to share that with people. Well, I think that's what's been so fun for me. You and I first talked very early, I would say early on in your career. We had you on the show maybe first. Yeah. You would just mm-hmm. come out. And so it's been remarkable to have these conversations periodically and then to be able to listen to your music and really follow your life and to see all of the challenges and all of the celebrations and all of the pain that you've had to go through. Yeah, it's been, it's been quite a journey, but I'm, I'm really lucky. Uh, I'm so grateful to people for connecting to my music and giving me this life where I get to travel around the country and share music and talk to folks like you about it. And, and we get to pursue, yeah, pursue a good life together. I, I love, I love what I do. That's great. That's great. So, uh, in the coming year, it's, I mean, gosh, we're wrapping up 2018 here in just about a month. Where can people go to see you? What's, what's on the horizon? In the winter, I'll be touring through um, Southern California a little bit and uh, up in New England. Um, and they can look at my website, just uh, bobbyjoevalentine.com. That's B-O-B-B-Y-J-O 
valentine.com and they can find all the all the tour dates and updates and things i'll be doing uh over there perfect and on that website you've got links to itunes and spotify and all the places people can find your music as well right absolutely yeah plenty of videos and links to uh, all of our apps that we use to enjoy music but no pictures from the nudist camp no pictures from the nudist camp no (laughs) (laughs) excellent and if you miss that website we'll put it on our own website at outbeatnews.com just click on show notes at the top of the page and you'll find everything you want to know about bobby joe valentine okay before you go let's listen to some of your new music and you've picked this song in particular as sort of a reflection about some of the things we've talked about tell us about it yeah, so this song is about um, just a lot of self-acceptance and self-sufficiency. Um, the main line of the song is, all that I need is what I've been given right inside this skin. Everything else that doesn't treat me well, I'm trading in. And it's just about us picking up so many things that don't serve us anymore uh, as we go through life. And having a moment in your life where you're like, you know what, I can let those go and I can... And I'm perfect. I'll be perfectly fine. And I'm going to trade them in for things that do work. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. I'm trading deadlines for a softer ceiling. I'm trading lonely for a truer feeling. I'm trading easy for a harder healing. But one that leaves me whole I'm training running for a hand beside me Trading my shadows for a light that won't hide me I'm trading money for the love that can't buy me And a little less control And we pick up so much when we're living That we should never hold We carry so much that we shouldn't own But all that I need is what I've been given Right inside this skin Everything else That doesn't treat me well I'm trading in I'm trading in I'm trading safety the world sold me for something wilder and true and holy for what the ghost of my father told me that you're already home anywhere you go Pick up so much when we're living That we should never own We carry so much that we shouldn't hold 
But all that I need I've already been given Right inside my skin Everything else That doesn't treat me well I'm trading in I'm trading in Trading deadlines for a softer ceiling. If you're just joining us, you're listening to Outbeat News in Depth here on KRCB FM Radio 91. I'm Greg Moralia. I met Brandon Sokolowski when he was just 19 years old. He was just starting to come out while serving in the United States Air Force, and I remember him being oh so very shy. Several years passed before we ran into each other again, and it was a chance meeting. He was working as a go-go dancer in one of the bars in the Castro on Pride Weekend. I remember seeing his smile. It was so big and bright, and that shy guy that I met years ago was long gone. So here to catch us up is Brandon Sokolowski. Brandon, welcome to the show. Hi, how's it going? It's great. I, you know, it's really exciting to get a chance to talk with you again. Um, we met a long, actually a long time ago now, when you were just about 19 years old, if my memory serves me right, and you were yep. this super shy guy just sort of coming out. And when I look at all of the great things that you're doing now, it's it's really pretty exciting. And that's what I really want to share with our listeners tonight. So let's go back to the beginning. Our listeners always like to know a little bit about the coming out story and where people grew up. So tell us about your story. Well, I grew up in a couple of really small towns. There was Nicholas. I was in the middle of nowhere, very, I think, a few hundred people. And then I moved to Yuba City. Um, that was just a little bit bigger. But I think like a lot, of, a lot of other people, I discovered I was gay when I was probably like five years old. Um, I remember my sister and a couple of her friends commenting on how cute a boy was, and I agreed with them, and <laughs> it's kind of the first time I got caught. <laughs> really? Um, you were just five years old when you remember that, huh? Yeah. I was, I was pretty young, probably five or six. Okay. Now, let me ask you real quick. I have never heard of the town of Nicholas. Where is that? <laughs> that is in between Sacramento and Yuba City, or if you don't know where Yuba City is, in between Sacramento and Chico. So okay. in the middle of nowhere, nobody sees it when you pass it. <laughs> There's one little sign. And, and probably not a whole lot about gay people. There was not. Okay. Um, that's when I was a little bit younger. Though. That was until I was like 11. Yuba City is where I went to high school and actually you know, got a chance to grow up a little more. Um, I think we had one out gay person um, in my high school. So it was still, you know, a little bit bigger city, but still you didn't have the diversity or anything. Mm-hmm. And then you decided after high school to jump into the Air Force. What attracted you about the Air Force? Um, so I, I knew from when I was little that I wanted to go to school. My original goal was to be an architect. So I did know that that required a lot of schooling. Um, my family didn't necessarily make that much money. So um, the military was was my way to pay for college and to you know get out of the small town and actually get out there and make something for myself. Mm-hmm. Did you enjoy the time in the military? Um, I enjoy what I got out of the military. Um, it was a lot of work. I got a lot of training out of it. I you know the military provides or they help people with their morals and um, just lifestyle. Um, mm-hmm. I honestly think everybody should go and join for two years and to just get that out of it. 
Sure. And you went in at, at kind of an interesting time, too. Uh, Don't Ask, Don't Tell had just ended. And I'm sure, you know, sort of leading up to that, before that was even on the radar as a possibility, you had to have thought about, okay, I'm I'm gay, and so I'm going to have to try to hide this in the military. But you got a chance to witness it after Don't Ask, Don't Tell. What, what was that like for you? So I was actually in the phase of coming out when I was 18 or 19, which is when I got to my first actual base that I was going to be staying at. Um, so when I got there, it was definitely like very frightening. It's a new place. I'm actually like coming to terms with me being gay. It's like, I think I knew I was gay since I was five, but I didn't really come to terms with it until 18 or 19 Mm -hmm. when I joined. Um, so I did, I joined and I, I met a lot of really great people who, you know, were in the community and got a chance to go to, we started the first um, LGBTQ Alliance Club that we would meet every week um, on Travis Air Force Base, which was that. which was amazing. Yeah, and they actually brought in a few people that were that were in during Don't Ask Don't Tell that were trans um, who got a chance to get out and actually transition and everything like that. So they got to come back and tell their stories on Travis Air Force Base. We actually I was a part of the first Pride March. That was ever on a military installation, so that was pretty, pretty epic to be a part of that. Oh, I bet it was. So it's definitely a very interesting, interesting time. Did you feel pretty liberated when you were out marching? Um, I was halfway out of the closet when I was marching down <laughs> Travis Air Force Base, so it was a little bit, but it was also very frightening for me. Yeah. I bet. And I remember that, that group just starting because I, I had the honor of being able to speak there when it first started. Yeah. And you, you set that all up. Yes. <laughs> um, and I still remember, you know, you were really quiet then. So it must have been a really challenging time <laughs> to sort of figure out how you're going to come out when the military was really just figuring out how to come out. Yeah. You, even though Don't Ask, Don't, Ask, Don't Tell got repealed, um, there were still a lot of people that – had the old mentality. So I definitely came in and I was, I ended up being out in the air force, but not in my squadron specifically, just because, you know, when I was in that frightening stage and coming out, people tended to like share their opinions and it made me feel like I I couldn't come out in my squadron. So the four years I was there, I was not out to my squadron. Oh, that must've been tough. (laughs) Well, Several years had gone by, you know, before I ran into you again, um, and it was a, it was sort of a chance meeting. It was a Pride weekend. I won't ever forget it. It was a Pride weekend. Uh, I was there with a group of friends at Bo, which is a, a fantastic bar right there on Market Street near Castro, and we're having a couple of cocktails celebrating Pride. There's go-go boys on the boxes. Everybody's having a good time, and I kind of turn around and look up on the box, and there you are. And I turned. I remember turning to Tony, going, "Oh my goodness, I think that's Brandon." And that was just about the time you turned around, and I think both of us were really surprised. And I was so excited for you because I thought, "Oh my goodness, here's this guy who is just blossoming. You've come so far." <laughs> but I'm curious, how did you go from not being out in your squadron and being nervous in the Air Force to the courage of getting up and dancing at bow? Well, you're one of the people that actually got to see both sides of me (laughs) definitely the the shy guy you know growing up um and then who i am today 
I think I have always had an attraction toward San Francisco in general. You know, I came here when I was in high school. I absolutely fell in love. And then living so close, um, when I was living in Fairfield, I got a chance to come and meet the people and just see the lifestyle and everything. And Mm -hmm. I was absolutely drawn to it. And actually, I was planning on moving to the city. And I tried to get a barback job um, at Bo because I was there all the time anyways. Turned into a go-go tryout. And again, that was still the end of my shy phase. So I, I said, okay, and I got up on a box and I <laughs> did my best. <laughs> so, and that's how it all started. That had to have been just really exhilarating. I mean, I, our previous guest uh, talked about his first experience. He's a singer songwriter and he talked about performing for a naturist group and deciding to do the concert completely naked in front of this crowd for the first time. Um, and it's, it's so for people who haven't been to Bo, it's not you're not dancing up there completely naked, of course, but you're not wearing much. <laughs> what it, it had to have been really exciting for you, but what was your experience like about it? I mean, did that was it exhilarating? Was it scary for you? <laughs> it was still definitely a challenge to get up there and be so exposed, but I think I think that was part of the transition from who I was to who I am now. Um, is that I I absolutely love it. I I love dancing. I love what I do. I get a chance to meet a lot of people. And I actually discovered how much I really love dancing. It's really one of my um one of my outlets. So mm-hmm. I definitely found my passion in dancing and you know before when I went to Bo, I would get up on a table and probably take my shirt off anyways, so now I just get paid for it. <laughs> That's right, and get some good tips to go along, right? <laughs> That's great. And it's kind of led a little bit into more of a career for you, too. You've been able to do more with that and, and doing some modeling. Uh, talk about where that did lead you to and some of the gigs you've been able to get. Yeah, absolutely. So I honestly did not pursue modeling. You know, being a go-go dancer, you, you get to meet a lot of different people. And first, Tim from Tim Gear approached me and asked me to model. And I kind of thought it was you know, not really a possibility for me, but so I went and I did my first shoot with him. Um, it was a little intimidating, but it was a lot of fun. From there, I recently did a shoot with Mr. S, which was also a lot of fun. Got to try on a lot of things that I normally wouldn't wear, but you know, that's the fun in it. And Mr. And Mr. Done, S for our listeners who don't know is a, oh yes. it's a huge company. I mean, they're international. Um, yes. It's one of the largest leather gear uh, and clothing companies around. A huge uh, store in San Francisco. Yeah. People so, across the United States have messaged me because I'm on the email list now. <laughs> that's great. From that, from the shoot, yeah. Fantastic. And, uh, and so at some point you did move to the city, so you've kind of fulfilled that that dream as well, right? I did. And so how's it been living there? I mean, aside from astronomically expensive. <laughs> it is expensive, which is why, you know, you've got two part-time jobs and going to school. Um, but it's it's absolutely amazing. Um, like I said, I love the people. I love the diversity. You can come out and be whoever you want to be, wear whatever you want to wear. Um, and it is just absolutely okay and encouraged. <laughs> so that part is just, it's really stuck with me. Like, even me, I'm still, I would say I'm still, you know, becoming who I am. And who knows, like, what I want to wear the next day, like, and it would be completely fine. So it, it's been really amazing here. That's great. And you've done, you've gotten involved in the community and, and done some charity work 
uh, incorporating your dancing. Talk about some of the events that you've supported. So I just recently went and I got a gig in Santa Cruz um, for the Diversity Center, which is the LGBTQ pretty much organization in Santa Cruz. So they throw this gala every year where they get different celebrities and people to come and volunteer their time and to donate their money to just a really good cause. I think they do like LGBTQ, like youth and just anything that, you know, we would possibly need. But yeah, I got a chance to go out there and and dance and meet a lot of cool people. Um, The people out there are really like involved with what they do. Um, I got a chance to meet Carmeet, who is um, one of the Pussycat Dolls. I also got a chance to meet Ada, Ada Vox, I believe. Um, she was a transgender woman on American Idol, and she oh, came, yeah. and she was absolutely amazing. So just just to be able to be a part of that is really is really amazing. Great. Is, and what others? What are some of the other? You're dancing for parties as well. What are some of the other events that? Uh, people may have either seen you at or that uh, stand out for you as being awesome. I dance a lot in San Francisco, but the ones that really stick out to me, um, I've got a chance to travel a couple times for go-go dancing. So they fly me out, you know, give me a hotel room, everything like that. I got a chance to go to Salt Lake City where they threw their first opening circuit party in Salt Lake City, which again was really amazing to be like a part of that. And again, getting a chance to meet all these different people that are making a difference and like putting their mark on the community is great. So how does that, I mean, how do you get invited to, to do stuff like that? Do you have an agent now? Um, I don't have an agent. It's, it's all about who you know and who you dance for and, um, putting yourself out there. Um, so started at Bo, got into a few other parties here in the city and then you just get a chance to meet, so many amazing people that all have connections and I ended up having a couple people um, actually refer me for a couple of the traveling go-go jobs. So cool. that was really awesome. Pretty cool. And you said you're going to school now too, right? I am. I'm going to school for business administration at San Francisco State University. Gosh, I don't even know how you had the time for all of this. <laughs> I don't know how I have the time. <laughs> <laughs> well, and one of the things that I saw online most recently that you're doing now is you have – are designing a clothing line. Yeah, so I started a business called Soka Wear. A little while back, I actually picked up sewing as a hobby. And one day I realized that I could probably make a pair of leggings for you know less than what you can buy them for. Another thing was a lot of men's leggings, you don't have the options that women have. Um, they have all these different colors and designs, and men just don't have that yet. Okay, so um, anyway. so I'm going to stop you right there, and okay, let's, yeah. let me ask you this first question. So, sewing, how did wh- where did that interest come from? Has that did that something that you had always had, or where did that come from? I started sewing. Um, I needed a hobby first of all, <laughs> um, and I started sewing because I had a little bit of interest in designing. Um, like costumes and outfits for the different parties because for every single party there's a different theme different idea and I realized that you know I couldn't find what I wanted a lot of places so I ended up making them myself pretty cool and you taught yourself I I did I am YouTube taught (laughs) awesome (laughs) very cool okay and then this idea for leggings came from where so like I said, I was trying to find a pair of leggings one day, um, and I realized that we, we don't have 
that many options. Men in general, we don't have the the colors and the fit that women do. So again, with the interest in sewing, I went to the fabric store and I found amazing colorful fabrics that I I wanted to be a pair of leggings. So I bought it and like I said, I looked up a YouTube video and I started sewing. The great thing about that is that I can make it the way that I wanted it. So I could custom fit them for for men. So what does that look like in comparison? I mean, I'm not really familiar with leggings um, at all. I, I know what they are, but other than that, so what's different for men? <laughs> um, so leggings are compression pants. The difference for men is that women have thick waistbands that go basically up to your belly button. So a lot of times when men get those, it, it rides a little too high in the front. Um, so my leggings have a low-rise front that cut down a little bit lower. Okay. And would um, you I'll, and would you wear these? You wouldn't wear them underneath pants. They would become the pants. Um, no. So these are going to be probably the main part of your outfit when you go to a music festival or a party. Um, they're going to be definitely the thing that stands out with all the colors. And um, there's something called foil, which makes the light reflect off the leggings. Um, so they're bright and colorful and shiny. They are going to be the centerpiece of your outfit. And so there are all kinds of different colors. I think some of the pictures I saw sort of had a tie-dye style to them. How would you describe the sort of the the color layout or the design? Um, so all of our leggings are going to be really bright and colorful. The ones that you saw were um, like a paint splatter um, with all different multicolors. Um, we have a rainbow tie-dye pair, which I obviously love and would be great for like pride events. Um, you have everything that will work for Burning Man to EDM events to, you know, going to the gym. It's for anybody that wants to pretty much stand out and be colorful. Okay, so what's the reaction been? I mean, you made a couple of, of I'll call them prototypes or demo pairs. How have people reacted to them? So when it was still a hobby, I actually made just a few pairs for uh, my friends and I to go to EDC. Um, and when we actually went we had some really, really great and positive reactions. And people were actually asking us where we bought them. And, you know, I got a chance to tell everybody that I made them, which was really awesome. So from there, that kind of sparked, you know, the idea of this actually, the possibility of this being a business. So from there, just started, you know, researching and <laughs> doing what I can. Well, you're going to school for the right reasons then. Exactly. I'm putting everything to use. <laughs> Excellent. So where can people go to see them and buy them? Um, so the website is about to be launched um, probably within a month. But for now, you can follow on Silkaware on Instagram or Silkaware on Facebook as well. Okay. And so we will put those links on our own website at OutBeatNews.com. You can just go to the top of the page, click on Show Notes, and then you can go right to uh, Brandon's website and check out his wares. And, and people will be able to order them online. Um, they will. We're hoping to launch within the next month or two, so they're not available yet. Um, we're working on production right now. Um, I'm discovering how much work it takes to create a business <laughs> right now, but we should be out within a couple months. Great. And size-wise, what typically will be the range? So we're trying to encompass everybody. Um, we're going from extra small to extra large. Um, and hopefully we're going to offer a custom fit option. 
where you can because so far I've just been doing custom fit. So I take everybody's measurements and I make leggings based on their measurements. So hopefully we'll have that option as well because we would like everybody who wants to wear these to be able to wear them. Pretty cool. So as you look out to your future that continues to expand, what do you see? What's what's in your future? What do you want to do? Well, if I've learned anything from my life is that the future, you have no idea what's going to happen. <laughs> but um, right now, I'm, like I said, I'm going to school um, for business. I don't exactly know what I want to do yet, but working on this small business right now, and maybe I will take a job in marketing or something. <laughs> but like I said, in my life, I'm just following wherever life takes me. Yeah, I don't see you working for anybody. I, I, <laughs> I don't either. I don't see you working for anybody. I think you're going to be your own boss. You got to start somewhere. I think I see you with your own club. I see you with this clothing line taking off, and I just see you really being connected to our community because I can hear that in in your voice. I can hear it in your story that, that absolutely being part of this community is a big piece of who you are, and it's important to you. Yes, it is. That is so cool. Brandon, I am really proud of you. I'm so excited for you, and I can't wait to see what happens in the future. Thank you so much for being with us tonight and sharing your story, and good luck to you. Thank you. And that wraps up our hour. My thanks tonight to Bobby Joe Valentine and Brandon Sokolowski. Tune in next Sunday night for Outbeat Radio's Living Proof with Sheridan Gold and Dr. Diana Grayer. That's at 8 p.m. and only here on KRCB-FM Radio 91. In the meantime, have a great week, and thanks for spending your Sunday night with us. Outbeat News in Depth is hosted and produced by Greg Moralia exclusively for KRCB Radio. Podcasts of our programs are available for on-demand play on our website at outbeatnews.com and on iTunes, TuneIn, Google Play, and Stitcher. Follow us on Facebook and Twitter for updates from Outbeat Radio News all month long. I'd love to change the world, but I don't know what to do. So I give it up to Broken down and tired of living life on the merry-go-round. And you can't find a fighter, but I see it in you, so we gon' walk it out. Move mountains, we gon' walk it out and move mountains.
the silence is quiet and it feels like it's getting hard to breathe and i know you feel like dying but i promise we would take the world to its feet Bring it to his feet Thousand times. 